0: I'm definitely not Ryan McDonough, a Suns fan since 2004, and you're
1: listening to the Suns Solar Panel Podcast. And welcome to the Phoenix Suns Solar Panel Podcast. It's actually, I think, really exciting. We talked about this last week and we said, you know what, maybe by the time we record next Saturday, uh, we are still the Suns are still going to have a winning record, and who would have thought the Suns would still have a winning record even after playing the hardest schedule in the NBA, but really what caught my attention was a tweet that I'm assuming Greg put up on the Suns Solar Panel Podcast Twitter account, which was, would you bet a mortgage payment for the Suns to make the playoffs if the odds were 1000 And, you know, I'm thinking about my mortgage payment, that's around $1,000 a month, Uh it, it, I am surprised that more than half the people said, yes, they would bet at least $1,000 or right around $1,000 for the Suns to make the playoffs, um, even given those odds. And we had a lot of people that actually answered the
2: polls, like 160.
0: I'll jump right in there and say that I would bet my current mortgage payment for sure.
2: Do you not have a mortgage payment, Dave? Is that correct? Why you're so exactly. Yep. <laughs> I'm betting zero. I,
0: I, I was going <laughs> to guess that. How,
2: how about your rent payment? Would you bet your rent payment for a month? Oh hell no. <laughs> uh, but by, by the way, you've got to check the time when I sent that. It was one fifty a.m. I believe here in in Phoenix. I had been up uh, with my daughter uh, and thought, ah, eh, this is an interesting question. It's on my mind because I've got nothing better to think about. So. Let's there send are a great the... number of people
0: um, that would bet their uh, things that much on on some whim like this. Absolutely, well, there, there are it's... a lot of people like that.
2: Especially that early in the morning, or you know, th- exactly or late at night. However, That's we Vegas at it. lives yeah. on.
0: That's what Vegas lives so, on. Is... I
2: I don't know that I would bet a mortgage payment because I would probably get in a lot of trouble with the misses if uh, <laughs> if I bet it and they didn't make the playoffs. Is that basically what you're doing (laughs) yes i'd be gambling with my own life but i do feel more confident today than i did five days ago that the phoenix suns will make the playoffs based on the way things are shaping up in the west and what the suns have been able to do so far i would i would feel much more confident to do it now than i than i would have five days ago but i still think this is a team that that falls slightly short on the playoffs uh but gets closer to that 40 win mark than, uh, than we originally had thought. Uh, maybe maybe I just have uh, have Sun's PTSD and I'm just too afraid to fully buy in on this because I expect the bottom to drop out at some point but i am i'm enjoying this ride i'll tell you that much uh this has been a hell of a lot of fun so far i just uh am cautiously uh, optimistic still probably uh, probably i'm optimistic now i was cautiously optimistic but there's still that little voice in the back of the head that goes it's not real remember who these what team this is uh and uh remember was that the yes uh <laughs> Uh, so, so, but, so I, 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 don't know that I would, uh, uh, I don't know that I would, uh, would bet at the, the mortgage payment on it yet.
0: Well, uh, we have a new poll thing going on SB Nation where you can sign up and you can vote once a week on your confidence level in your team. And so we'll be watching, Uh, How confident Suns fans are in the Suns all year and so far we're at a like high of 81% already. So I think a lot of Suns fans are really happy about how things are going and they have every right to be because not only are the Suns winning games, they're winning games against tough teams. They're barely losing. I mean, how many total minutes, gosh, I wish I would have looked this up. <laughs> How many total minutes have the Suns been behind this year? Uh, it's a very small percentage of their total minutes, I'll tell you that. And it's been fun. Anytime you turn on a game, it's competitive. Anytime you turn on a game, it looks like the Suns have a good chance to win that game. It's fun. And, uh, the, and the fans are enjoying it. We're all enjoying it. Uh, I just hope they can keep it going. And what's great about this is that the schedule gets easier. So it's up to Monty Williams keeping these guys on a string, keeping these guys uh, focused. There was only one small bit of loss of focus after they got up by 30 over the Warriors on Wednesday night. Suns, just like any good team, uh, like we've seen other teams do for the Suns in years past, which is uh, let up on the gas a little bit. Let the let the little team get caught up a little bit closer, a little bit closer, just enough to give them some hope and then dash their hopes. So right. I think that's that was a good experience also.
2: By the way, is, is Tim going to introduce us at all or are people just going to assume they know who we are? Well, I mean, at, at this point, I feel like if you're
1: watching the Sun Solar panel, you've probably watched one of our 160 episodes before. If you're listening to it, you have uh, probably seen that. But if you need an introduction, uh, the... Uh, the guy who just asked me, his name is Espo. The other dude ahoy that was hoy. talking, his name is Dave. Uh, my yo name yo. is Tim. And now nobody's confused anymore. And look, look, I just wanted and wait, I have to say sp- ahoy-hoy. The people the, the people demand ahoy-hoy, all right? <laughs> um, we do have Nathaniel Jackson in the YouTube chat that is asking if
2: there is any update on Aiden. He is still at the urinal. Ah, no, didn't... I, I haven't heard, I haven't heard a word, which leads me to believe that, uh, that the, uh, the players' associations' uh, uh, protest of uh, of uh, it is is not uh, is not going as well as they had hoped.
0: Well, also. Hold on here. We don't know what speed up means. I mean, we have no idea. This doesn't happen very often. So the ability for the NBPA to expedite a, um, a an investigation could still be weeks. We have no idea. Um, Aiden has been suspended for 25 games. He's already served four of those. The likelihood was it was almost zero that he was going to get all of it vacated. Uh, so it's really probably a matter of, is it 20 or is it 15 instead of 25? Um, I did see online that there was, Aiden was supposed to be testifying or whatever. His people were supposed to be showing their evidence sometime this week. Uh, And uh, so I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Nothing's been announced, but I would not expect him to come back anytime real soon.
2: What evidence could they particularly have and I can't believe we're talking about the mass urinator. Uh, we, we said we weren't going to do this, but, uh, or mellow yellow, as some of you. have. Uh, would, would you rather talk about Luka Doncic? We, we call him Agent Let's talk about the mass urinator for a little bit longer. <laughs> and then we can switch no. over to
1: the, to the other dude. No,
2: he um, who shall not be named. No, we are not talking about him. Hey, uh, hey
1: shout out, shout out to Greg, who in our fantasy league uh, uh, did trade donovan mitchell for two players that aren't playing right now
2: hey but if let let me make this clear right i traded donovan mitchell for the mass urinator and and victor oladipo right thinking that both would be back in december and i would have a chance to really get two stars for a piece of uh whatever you want to call it uh and in the same night 20 minutes later steph curry on my team breaks his hand uh in (laughs) I was very torn in a, in a game I was loving watching. My fantasy team basically uh, got blown to smithereens all in one move. So I don't. I'm not. I'm no GM, and we're all glad I'm not the GM of a, of a team. All right. I'm. Well, I, I, I requested judging by to... judging by NBA GMs
0: um, draft and trade and free agency history. Uh... That you're not too far off of being good enough to be a GM.
2: I did hire okay. a goat to come crap in my office, though. So hopefully that'll help. In, your own in my own office, yeah. So hopefully that just, will help.
1: All right. Smart, so right? so so getting this back on track, guys. Um, w- one thing that we have seen it come up a lot recently, whether you're on uh, Suns Reddit or you're on the Suns message board, uh, what have you, is a lot of people asking, "Are the Suns better without DeAndre eight?
2: <laughs> this is the stupidest question ever all right look, no look, the Suns are not better without let's deandre entertain. Aiden. let's
0: entertain the maybe they are side because brendan clean i went back and forth with him a little bit and he actually um he is on that locked on Suns podcast and he spent friday's episode talking about it so you guys can go over there if you want to hear his thoughts um look the team does look good with aaron Baines. In the lineup. The problem is Aaron Baines is a foul machine and you need uh, someone else in that rotation because he's not going to be able to stay out there for 30 plus minutes. The dude is a lifetime 15 minutes a game player. Even in college, he was 15 minutes a game. Even on the Australian national team, he's basically 15 minutes a game. The guy look, the guy is doing an awesome job, an incredible job filling in in the starting lineup. And he's been playing very well. Um, but to assume that DeAndre Aiden couldn't be playing as well or better in most of the areas that, that Baines is, is playing well in is just assuming uh, trying to, you know, uh, it's called confirmation bias. It's When you see Aaron Baines playing well, it justifies your take that maybe DeAndre Aiden isn't the best player. Um, but I even went back and forth with Brendan a little bit, and he was saying that Aaron Baines this year is better than DeAndre Aiden last year. But my my argument was DeAndre gives DeAndre in this team. And last year's DeAndre Ayton is better than last year than this year's DeAndre Ayton becomes better just because he's on a better team. It's about the team that they're in. It reminds me of Nate Duncan's argument a year ago <clears throat> that he'd rather have Danny Green than Devin Booker. Remember that one?
2: Yes,
1: Nate Duncan's argument, yeah.
2: Yes, Duncan, our favorite friend of
0: the show. Right. And he made he made a strong, impassioned argument that uh, because Danny Green's proven in the playoffs, he fits on a playoff level team, blah, 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 all that. All very true. But you don't take Danny Green over Devin Booker. You just don't. You don't do that because you haven't put Devin Booker in Danny Green's opportunity. You haven't put Devin Booker in a team that had the Danny Green's been on. Green's been on a successful team. Um, Several successful teams, and they're doing well, but not because of Danny Green, necessarily. It's because he fits perfectly on those and on those squads as a role player. So for the same reason, you don't take Aaron Baines over DeAndre Aiden. Has Aaron Aaron Baines been playing great? Absolutely. But you don't take him over Aiden.
2: No, and if you look at the first game, the Suns played just as well against the Kings if not better, other than that first quarter in that Warriors game, as they have uh, in every game that Baines has started, and I think this team is better with both of them. This is not uh, an either or. This team is better with with Aiden and Baines playing. Now, DeAndre Aiden won't set the picks the way Aaron Baines does. He's not going to be as tough defensively, but he adds different dynamics that aaron baines doesn't this team is better with them together now i will say this i would not hand the starting job right back to a- right back to eight a- when he comes back i'd make him earn it i'd make a point as Monty williams uh, to say you you caused this issue you now have to earn not only your spot back but the trust of your teammates you have to earn your way back in the starting lineup so i wouldn't start him the first game He'd probably be back for second game, but I wouldn't start him the first game.
0: I think we owe James Jones a beer, just like he bought everyone beers when Josh Jackson didn't show up at Fry's last spring. I think everybody owes James Jones a beer for acquiring a guy who could actually look this good with, with DeAndre Ayton suspended.
1: Um, you guys want some uh, hard... Lineup on-off numbers or not on-off numbers? Uh, we also want your numbers.
0: opinion too. Yes, so give us your opinion on who's <laughs> better, Tim, and give us those hard numbers. Give it to uh, us hard,
1: Tim. <laughs> okay, the whopping one-game sample size with DeAndre Ayton in the starting lineup, the Suns were a net rating of a positive forty-four point eight. With Ayton in the or with Ayton with uh, Aaron Baines in the starting lineup instead of DeAndre Ayton, the Suns' uh, starting lineup is a plus nineteen point six. So statistically, sure, it's only one game. The Suns are better with uh, DeAndre Ayton in that starting lineup. That being said, uh, Aaron Baines does some things that DeAndre Ayton doesn't. He sets Much better screens. He is definitely a better uh, help defender. He's shooting threes. Um, We don't know whether or not DeAndre Ayton uh, would be able to hit threes at that rate because it doesn't seem like he's allowed to shoot them yet. That being said, DeAndre Ayton also does something that Aaron's Baines doesn't and that he's a much better. uh, He's much better at uh, putting uh, putbacks which is something that the Suns don't really have right now with Aaron Baines or Frank Kaminsky. Um, and that is something that I think the Suns miss without DeAndre Ayton on the floor. Also, he's a much better roller than Aaron Baines is.
2: Well, yeah, you you lose that whole aspect of the offense with Ricky Rubio being able to lob to a guy, which I think it w- will be very Where's pocket dynamic. passes?
0: Yeah. Um, he's, um, DeAndre and Baines have both been pretty good at picking up those passes on the bounce, too, on the yeah.
1: roll. Yeah.
2: I, yeah, I think... It, this this team is not better without DeAndre Ayton. They're different without DeAndre Ayton, and I. There'll be an adjustment period when he comes back to try to sort out what are the rotation minutes. How do you get how do you get Baines in and involved uh, enough? But there's enough minutes for both of these guys, and I think it shores up things uh, and makes lineups make a, a little bit more sense when when Ayton comes back. So just. They're not a better team without him. If uh, and and just the fact that that we're having that discussion uh, is slightly asinine.
0: Well, I think it's. I think <clears throat> even Aaron Baines would say that he shouldn't be starting ahead of DeAndre Aiden.
2: No, yeah, Aaron Aaron Baines understands what what his real role in this game is, and he plays like that second unit center that comes in and goes all out. and like That's why he's fouled out of these games because he's used to coming in for a certain period of time, being able to put all that effort and go you know, flying around because he knows he's not going to play 30, 35 minutes, and he's not going to foul out. When you play short bursts like that, it's perfect for for the way Aaron Baines plays plays the game. Has he been fun to watch? Yes. Has he been a great addition? Yes. Is he the starting center for this team long-term? No, he's the perfect backup for this team, and that doesn't mean he won't play uh, in in certain crunch time minutes, when Aiton comes back, depending on how Aiton's playing, but right, now, it's just yeah. it, it's ridiculous to me to try to claim that this team is better without the talents of DeAndre Aiton. Uh, yeah, I go ahead. Do
1: wonder, I do wonder what's going to happen to the shooting when DeAndre Aiton does return. We only have one game sample size, right? So I want to basically everything out uh, in that one game with DeAndre Aiden in the starting lineup, the starter shot 12 and percent from three, right? That's obviously not, something that would continue, et cetera, et cetera. That being said, when you have Aaron Baines in the starting lineup, uh, the starters are shooting 44% on threes, uh, 50% from the corner. And I, I do wonder what inserting DeAndre Aiden into that starting lineup uh, is going to do for the spacing on the floor. I actually think it's going to improve the spacing on the floor. Uh, that was one game,
0: really. It was, right. um, I think, and, and I know you said that, Tim, but it's just, it's, uh, it seems to me, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with this, even though there's no evidence because the Suns were worse than the league in three-point shooting last year. And in one game, as Tim says, the starters were twelve percent from three um, with Aiden. So there's no actual evidence, but DeAndre Aiden forces a lot of attention into the paint because of how easy he scores down there, because of how good his feet are, his moves are, all that. You can't just let DeAndre Aiden score. And I think as long as the suns are under 40 percent from three on the on the perimeter on a regular basis, then the paint points are more valuable than the three point points. Because on every possession, if you shoot 60 percent in the paint, that's exactly the same uh, value as the as the as 35 percent or something like that. Thirty three. I don't know what it was on threes. So threes only become more valuable the more you make them.
1: Well, also, uh, if you if you miss a paint shot, it, the rebound's shorter. Yeah.
2: Well, I, and I don't think you can discredit uh, Aiton's passing ability as well from down low. He he's very adroit at that uh, for a big man. So there's a, yeah. there's also that where that should help uh, as he draws defenders. He can also kick it out to guys. At the three-point line. Can I
0: digress on passing just a little bit? I love, love, love the fact that the big men in this offense, the big men are set up to make passes and shoot threes. DeAndre won't be shooting threes as much, although I hope he does. Uh, He doesn't have to. He can can score in the paint and all that. Um, But I love the fact that Aaron Baines... Is averaging three assists a game. Frank Kaminsky is averaging 2.8, and Darius Sharic is averaging 2.6 assists per game. That's really great. That's like the numbers that our former point guards used to put up in the last couple of years here <laughs> for this team. Well, that's every game. And then taking threes, those guys are all between 3.8 and 4.4 threes a game as well. I think that's really fun to watch. I think there there are going to be teams. Um, fortunately, against Philadelphia on Monday, Joel Embiid will not be playing, and so we won't see, on the fortunate side, the Suns won't see such a size disparity, although it will be a tough game for them. Uh, there, there are going to be, a lot of teams where you're going to want a big dude like DeAndre Ayton in the middle. You could argue that the Suns might have done better against Utah if they had had somebody a little bit closer to the size of Rudy Gobert. But I, I'm not a fan of one game, um, add add a little talent, and suddenly this team gets better. Everybody would have played a little different with Ayton in there. I think the Suns played an incredible game. We shouldn't take anything away from them on Monday against Utah. But you could make the argument you could— put it together in your head that maybe with Aaron Baines banging um, a fewer, a few fewer minutes against Gobert and Ayton putting in some time against Gobert instead of Frank Kaminsky and Dario Shares, that the Suns may have actually um, had a little bit more separation against the Jazz.
2: Yeah, well, if, if we're going to talk about the Jazz game, too, I, I'd like to give Devin Booker a little credit because in the Denver game, they lose that game because he drives into the paint and doesn't get the foul and misses the shot, right? In the Utah game, uh, he he obviously learned from that Denver scenario because he drives the lane and kicks it out to the wide-open Oubre that uh, had that corner three that would have basically given them a the win. So yeah. so that is Devin Booker in, in, a, in a game span learning on the fly. I, I, not a lot of but people you know, that's also gave him credit that- for
0: that. That particular play, let's talk about that for a second. That particular play had um, Oubre in the corner and then Sarge in the other corner, I believe, uh, and then uh, a couple of other players on the wing. I'm trying to remember exactly who was in the game, but Oubre is not a good corner three shooter. So Monty Williams is going to look at that tape. He's going to go, gosh, you know what? Uh, The way I subbed out guys into that final uh, lineup, I think it was Javon Carter and, and, um, Tyler Johnson were the other two in the, in the lineup. Um, he would have, he would have rotated out and put, um, Kelly Oubre on the wing because that's where Kelly makes his threes he doesn't make them from the corner uh and of course when Cam Johnson is more on on his toes as far as being in shape which he has since then become a little bit I mean Wednesday he looked a lot better than he did Monday and he even said that uh when Ty Jerome is is more available as a three-point shooter off the bench when guys are more into uh you know ready into making those shots maybe Kelly isn't the one in the corner taking that open three. You'd rather have a 40% shooter down there than a 30% shooter.
1: To your point, Dave, uh, Kelly Oubre, so far this season, is shooting 31... Uh, no, excuse me. He is shooting, uh, well, uh, 43% from the corner and 31% on non-corner threes. Really? Yeah. Dave, completely, completely wrong. wrong there.
0: No, no, my <laughs> recollection is that he's not good from the corners, but good on him then maybe monty did exactly what he wanted to do and it's just unfortunate that kelly missed it i'd rather have kelly on the wing three than on
1: the uh corner three look yeah those not- wide wide open three right there too hard to get a better look for that uh for that w
2: yeah i mean you were not going to get a better shot and devin booker made the exact right play there uh and you got to give him credit for it and i get it on the other end also I he had rudy Gobert.
0: Uh, staring him down in the paint. So Booker did make the right choice passing that off because Gobert proved all game that he could even block the 10-footers. So people who wanted Devin to have pulled up from 10 to 15 feet uh, for a 50% chance at a shot, which still would have won the game, uh, then you know that would have been fine as long as Gobert isn't the one trying to block him. <laughs>
1: Um, so I do want to take a second Uh, Joseph Shook one of the show's supporters he said how about that how about Carter dude's jersey is already sold out and uh, while we're talking about supporters I do want to thank a listener who did the uh, $10 a month donation over to the Sun Solar panel that's Justin Sexton so Justin thank you so much hit us up on Twitter at Sun Solar panel Uh, send me your address and I will send you a bag of of Sun swag if you're watching the show or listening to the podcast and you want to be a supporter of the show you can do so all you got to do is look at the show notes or the description below there's a support the show button we have a one a five dollar and a ten dollar a month uh, donation option and we really do appreciate you guys so much and that bag oh swag is pretty awesome yeah, yeah it's a real pain in the ass because i have to drive down to the post office on my lunch breaks and do this and uh i don't enjoy it at all
2: hey i gotta but we w- really gotta appreciate the effort
1: you put in tim
2: I got a solution for this, Tim. We need to get a stamps.com sponsorship, and they can get you one of those little postage <laughs> meters that they have, and we can send that stuff out straight from your home. I've heard that on other podcasts that it works nice. So it
1: takes my entire lunch break up. Uh, I'm super happy to have the supporters though, so I'm not, I'm not complaining. But it's real pain. You in my should ass. take
0: some of the money that we get, Tim, uh, out of all of these. Instead of buying glasses, you should buy yourself a meter. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe I will. Maybe so. The package-
1: uh, I, I am curious what your guys' take on what happens when Ty Jerome returns as opposed to uh, Javon Carter with some of these backup point guard minutes. Uh, what do you guys think?
2: By, by the way, uh, let's not act like Jero- uh, Javon Carter's jersey selling out. Is it? A huge deal. I'm pretty sure they made like three of them because they didn't think uh, anybody oh, was going to want a Javon hey, Carter jersey. Mama Carter, originally. Mama
0: Carter, we love Javon. We think he's awesome. That Please not, don't add us.
2: Well, listen, listen. This is this is not. That's not a knock on him. They just expected that things wouldn't be as good as they are, and I loved Made two and it. a half jerseys. Uh, my favorite. My fa- they And they made them for Javon's mother. I mean, they they knew she wanted them. But I love. There there is not a better moment this season than when Javon Carter walked up to the scorer's table and got the crowd, starts waving his Uh, arms, and got the crowd on its feet and screaming. I had heard... Uh, a couple people comment that they had never seen anybody. I actually think it was uh, Tom Leander was the main one that said, I had never seen anybody anybody do that other than the gorilla, get a crowd into a game like that uh, at, at the arena there. I give him massive credit for his energy, for the way he's played. He also the hit defense. the game tying three. Yeah, I mean, this guy has been everything you, you would want from that backup point guard spot and much more uh and nobody expected it when they looked at that trade they thought he was just a throwin they did not think that uh, that he was uh, any major piece and there was even talks was he or Elliot Kobo going to make the roster uh, yeah. coming out of, out of training camp there. Yeah. Let's t- talk
0: about some, let's talk, talk about some numbers with Javon a little bit. Look, the man, um, in his career, at West Virginia made 40% of his threes. So one year of not making his threes very well in Memphis, uh, should not be, and should not have been held against him. They had the three um, point it's, it's line so when he funny. was in
2: college. You <laughs>
0: look <Shut> damn old. look, <laughs> um, look. We, we give Mikel Bridges a pass for shooting poorly in his first year. Of course, he hasn't proven better than that. But everybody, every rookie shoots poorly and, and from three, it seems like, uh, except Cam Johnson. Uh, but Kelly, uh, excuse me, Javon Carter is making two threes a game. He's second on the team and making an average of two threes a game, 10 threes over five games. Uh, he's shooting 47 percent from three. He's also averaging 3.2 assists, 1.2 steals. He's a defensive. He's, he's been cited by two different coaches already by name as the difference in the game defensively for the Suns. Um, the, that guy deserves every minute he's earning right now. He is who we wanted all last year's point guards to be. Um, I know people argue with me over skill sets and stuff like that, but and his skill set is different. But, man, wouldn't you have rather had this guy playing this way a year ago, instead of Isaiah Canaan or Kobo or even D'Anthony Melton, he's basically D'Anthony Melton with a with a bigger chip on his shoulder. Melton is really talented, but he didn't have that huge chip on his shoulder that Javon Carter does. I love this kid. Now, the question was, what's going to happen when Ty Jerome comes back? That's just another guy in the rotation. I worry even a little bit more about Tyler Johnson than I do. Uh, Javon Carter on on backup minutes, but they're all going to share the ball. Monty's going to figure out a way to do this. I'm I'm you know I've got a lot of I've got a lot of faith in Monty Williams right now. He adjusted his his offensive game plan since the last time he coached. Like people were a little worried he would. Well, the Suns, his offense is just. We'll talk about offense in a little bit because I want to I want to spend a few minutes on offense. But let's finish this Javon Carter versus uh, Ty Jerome thing. Ty Jerome. Is a, is a crafty guy too, and he's gonna earn his minutes as well. There's just so many guys who are gonna earn their minutes. I feel bad for Ilya Kobo. I think his days as a player uh, for the Suns are pretty much nil. Um, I feel also a little bad for Mikel Bridges. Mikel Bridges has basically disappeared offensively on a team where everybody shoots. Mikel finds a way not to, Um, and so now he's become this year's dragon bender. Ooh, that's that's a that's a hot take. Um, Mikel Bridges is basically is it
1: it a hot take if you call it a hot take? No.
0: Yes.
2: Uh, As you breathe smoke, just uh, thinking about
0: it, and I won't tell you what got hot, but I got hot just thinking about it. I feel like (laughs) I feel like Mikel is the one who's going to be more the odd man out than Javon Carter.
2: I th- I think Javon Carter is going to remain the backup, uh, the the primary backup uh, point guard, or and I I could see lineups where both Carter and Ty Jerome wind up on the floor when when Booker and Rubio wind up on the bench, uh, but it, Ty Jerome will earn minutes, but Javon Carter has done nothing uh, at all to warrant him losing any minutes uh, while when Ty Jerome comes back. So you will see a healthy dose of Javon Carter. And it's been pretty clear that Monty Williams has liked Javon Carter from word one. Uh, we've talked about it before in preseason when Ricky Rubio was out. Javon Carter got the start, not Ty Jerome. Uh, Javon Carter is a favorite of Monty Williams, and we're all seeing why night in and night out. So he will not lose minutes to Ty Jerome, but Ty Jerome will find minutes uh, as, as the season goes along
1: uh serene eclipse over in the youtube chat saying that Mikel bridges is a star uh personally i'm not worried about Mikel at all uh for one it's uh, just a second season it's early in the season uh there's a lot of competition for minutes but he's also just not the type of player that's a high usage player that's going to shoot a lot he does provide a lot in other areas though um it's uh, I'm just—I'm not nearly as concerned about Mikael Bridges as I think the majority of Suns fans on Twitter, at least, are concerned about Mikael Bridges.
2: No, at some point it, it'll click for him. Uh, he's, as Dave said, he's been somewhat passive on offense, uh, in in Dragon esque if you want to go that route. But I think at, at some point a couple shots will fall. That confidence will click. Uh, I trust that Monty Williams will get him. Uh, him in the right headspace as well, so I'm not uh, I'm not over overly concerned uh, about Mikhail because uh, what he brings on the defensive end is enough to warrant minutes, even if his offense isn't uh, isn't clicking.
1: Uh, Serene did chime in and she said, "Don't confuse his unselfishness with poor play," and I can't I can't agree more with
0: that. Um, yeah, okay. So let me just look. I am very confident Mikhail Bridges too. He's one of my favorite overall players. He's a great guy. He does anything the team needs him to do. But come on, we can admit that he's been passive on offense and that is a little poor because Monty Williams needs ball movement. And he's been hesitant on on his catch and decisions uh, when he gets the ball. I just don't. I look, I'm uh, I was probably a little bit extreme when I said the dragon bender of this team, but that's basically what he's been offensively. He's really been the guy just to quickly pass it away to a non-shooting opportunity. Um, I think he does need to get more aggressive offensively. I think he's been great defensively, um, and I love him as a player. But let's not sugarcoat this and say it's somebody else's fault. This offense is tailored toward people looking good and aggressive on offense, and Mikel is the one who doesn't.
2: Let's, let's be clear. Tim really liked the don't confuse unselfishness with poor play because that's how he is on the show. He unselfishly uh, just lets us talk and he shows up every 10 to 15 minutes. But so.
0: Tim, Tim's our Ricky Rubio, though, because he sets us up. He sets us up for scores and then he just he doesn't take all the credit.
2: Less, attra- right. less attractive, Ricky Rubio. Uh, it's a before- uh,
1: well. I mean, nobody
2: can be Podcast. as attractive as a, a
1: ravishing Ricky. I mean, let's be <laughs> let's be honest. The way he puts his like hair back into that bun during the games,
2: I'm like, oh, Jesus, man, come uh, on. Oh, you well, guys we- haven't
0: seen him in the locker room when his hair's down. That is even
2: more attractive. <laughs> We've got ravishing Ricky <laughs> on the court and. It terribly uh, I got nothing for Tim I t- got terribly, terribly attractive Tim we'll go Kelly with, that.
0: with the perfect skin when Devin Booker yeah. is like you're only your third or fourth most attractive player I mean uh that's that's pretty good looking team hey, before Dave, this slides
2: I, I... too much off the rails i want to thank uh rip 93 <laughs> ford for his uh his donation in the youtube chat we we appreciate that man uh, you uh you help uh make sure that uh tim's skin is uh, is still pretty every time he's on the show so
1: yeah and then in like six months we've almost made 100 bucks on youtube so it's uh adding up quickly
2: oh, hey great. Great choice to, to come over here to YouTube, then, boys. So. <laughs> uh, Dave, I, I, Dave <laughs> I, I, need you, um,
1: I need you to do me a favor and ask uh, Kelly Oubre if he is actually a Misfits fan. I always wanted to know, and uh, I, I still I want to I have to
0: do my research. Okay, I will find out. I will find out. He has not been as— It's been— Kelly was— Really not wanting to talk to anybody after that Utah game. And lately he's been a little short with media on interviews. Um, the dude is let me talk about Kelly just for a second. Man, is he focused? He is focused. He was not happy after the Golden State game because they lost their edge. And he was the first one to talk at length about that, how they lost their edge. And they didn't play hard. And the second half of that Golden State game, he was super mad at himself and everything about how that jazz game ended. And it wasn't about that 1.4 seconds. Um, He was really mad about the fact that he missed that shot. And that guy has been playing balls out all season. I'm so happy for how Kelly Oubre has played. Um, He is who we always wanted TJ Warren to be, basically, because he's not much of a passer. Uh, He's not much of... Yeah, but he plays, you know, he's, he's not much of an offensive creator other than for himself. Um, but he is so good at doing what he's doing. And he's excellent defensively when he, he can get his hands in the in those passing lanes and, and get deflections and then run outs and he finishes on the break. I just love watching that guy play. He's been rebounding better than I expected him to. Um, he's averaging 6.4 rebounds a game, which is really good from that small forward spot because he hasn't had to play power forward. All those guys' rebounds were a little bit inflated last year because they were the only the second best rebounder on the on the team basically, uh, and so when they averaged three and four and five rebounds, that was really hurting the Suns a year ago. Now um, the Suns have, let's see, the Suns have. One, two, three, five guys all averaging between six and seven rebounds a game. That's incredible. That's team rebounding. These guys are, none of these guys are great rebounders, but they're all good rebounders. And uh, I like how money is spreading the minutes as well. And so that's why their minutes their their rebounds are down a little bit because no one only three or four, two or three guys are playing over 30 minutes a game. So I just love uh, the way Kelly's been playing and the only downside is that he's so pissed after losses he doesn't like talking to the media. So hopefully, Tim, short story long, um, we'll get I'll get an p- opportunity to ask him about the misfits, but it's going to have to be in a more relaxed setting than after a game.
1: Uh, well, uh, maybe he would. Maybe he would appreciate it after uh, you know taking the L.
0: That's true. Maybe he would. It's possible some players do very much appreciate asking. You know, getting a. a a relevant question asked of them that has nothing to do with how bad they were or what or what negative happened. Right. Um, quite possible.
2: Hey. I'll ask uh, also, congrats to Kelly Oubre for having the best Halloween costume of any son that I saw oh, this man, year. Prince one? He, he looked spot on as Prince. Was uh, that Halloween or was that just Kelly? <laughs> was that just Kelly Oubre? I think we'll, that might have just been Kelly Oubre. We'll never
0: know. <laughs> All right. Okay. I didn't see any makeup on the face. So, uh, uh,
2: By the way, ha- uh, thank you to uh, Folster who donated $5 in the YouTube chat saying, you guys make it okay that my kids wake me up before 7 a.m. And uh, that's why yes. I'm hiding in a, in a closet. <laughs> and uh, the best part of waking up is Folster's in our chat. Thanks for being there, Folster. Oh,
0: God.
1: Yeah, but but you know what? You really need to your closet up, man. I'm uh, every time I, I see it, I'm a bit envious of how much better your podcasting space is, uh, at least on screen, than mine.
0: Oh, uh, Tim, your girlfriend's in the picture.
2: I'm I'm talking about I'm, my dog. I, I'm always bored <laughs> I'm always borderline ready to suffocate in this uh, small. Uh, Little box that uh, that is a podcast studio now, but I'm here f- for the fans. So. I
0: think you've done that up very well.
2: Thank you. So well,
1: I, I got a, I got a couple
2: of pit bulls because I don't really
1: particularly ever want anyone to break into my house and fuck with me, right? But I did not realize how. Big a wuss dogs, pit bulls are. Like, wuss were you guys aware of, of this? Because no. I, I want really want to just start calling them Eeyore and Donkey because they are not going to protect me against anything.
2: Look, I am aware that pit bulls Until from Florida they are
1: wusses. Uh, just look at the musician. So, <laughs> all right Hey, so uh, Dave, you did <laughs> oh, want to what? get into, uh you did want to get into some shooting stats.
0: Yeah, so my question that I've had this week after five games, um, and by the time you're listening to this, they may have played that sixth one against Memphis, uh, is how sustainable is what, – what's so different about the Suns this year and how sustainable can it be? Uh, defensively, we'll talk about that next week, but offensively, I want to talk about some shooting stats that I think is just remarkable. How different the Suns are playing this year than a year ago. Some of that is Ricky Rubio, but a lot of that is just the the whole lineup that has been acquired. Dario Sharj and Frank Kaminsky, like I talked about with those assists. Uh, Aaron Baines, uh, DeAndre Ayton when he gets back, uh, all those guys, all the big men are passing, the little men are passing, everybody's passing. So let me let me talk about some uh, incredible stats here. The Suns, uh, an unfortunate staple in the Suns offense the last few years has been contested shots and uh, dribbling themselves into pull up threes or pull up twos or whatever it was. The Suns have not been very efficient. Obviously, they've been 29th or 30th in offense the last couple of years. Um, I'll tell you, a year ago, the Suns on catch and shoot points per game were one of the worst in the league. They had only 24.6 uh, catch-and-shoot points a game, and uh, they, were, they were just awful. I mean, you guys could watch it. This year, the Suns are seventh in the league in catch-and-shoot. Um, they've really jumped up. And then an even more um, obvious, obvious improvement on the Sun- for the Suns has been how many open shots they're getting. Um, the closest defender within six feet, Six plus feet wide open. A year ago, the Suns were the second, uh, let's see, third worst team in the league with only 20% of their shots being wide open. This year, what do you guess their number of shot, their percentage of shots? Uh, last year it was 20%. What do you think it is,
1: Tim, this year? I'm sorry. Uh, I was looking up some stats myself for what? right
2: You were paying attention. I know you were. The, the percentage of open shots that they had this yeah, year? Yeah, wide open shots. Uh, it was 20 last year. I'm gonna guess it's about 44 this year.
0: Not quite. It's 29 because ah. this is six plus feet wide open oh, okay. now.
2: And we're not, not we're not talking slight separation. We're talking a, we're talking a, a like vicinity. <laughs> in exactly. Okay. <laughs> exactly. That makes more um, sense. Yeah, 44 then... would be insane.
0: <laughs> yeah, so twenty right, um, but most of their threes are wide open this year. It's been it's been pretty darn incredible, um, and so the Suns are really they're they are second in the league in the entire league in wide open shots. First in the entire league is the Milwaukee Bucks because of John, Giannis's um, gravity, which could, takes me back to DeAndre Ayton. Aiden. DeAndre Ayton's gravity Giannis, is going to help. Giannis. I know. I just still say Giannis anyway. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, and the Rockets are third in the league and all the way back at 26 percent. The Suns are at 29 percent wide open shots frequency. The Milwaukee Bucks are just one percentage point better than them. Um, this is this is an incredible turnaround. For this Phoenix Suns team, it is is really fun uh, to watch them them be able to get so many open shots because they are going to start making them even more. And they have picked up their 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 frequency of making these wide open shots over the course of a few games because the more settled you get, the more comfortable you are in the offense, the more confident you feel the more shots you're going to make. So I really think this Suns team, that is, that is entirely sustainable because they haven't just been playing cupcakes. The Suns have been playing some of the best defenses in the league uh, in the first five games and still are getting wide open shots. Will teams get better at scouting and um, and knocking off those, you know, trying to, Defend for those wide. Sure. Absolutely. Teams will get better over the year. But the fact that the Suns are second in the league right now is is really incredible. And I think that speaks a lot to their ability to sustain this.
2: I don't think it's a fluke either. I think it has to do with uh, it has to do with when you're looking at that offensive system. Right. We talked about 0.5 seconds. Operating on making quick decisions and trying to make the right move as fast as you can has has led to this, plus the Ricky Rubio factor, and now Devin Booker uh, can be that secondary a ball handler in an offense, which gives you another great passer who can do that. I don't think this is a flash in the pan. I think this is the real deal, and I don't remember who it was. Uh, actually, it was Vincent in the comments section. said attitude is a big difference here as well. I agree with that. And then you look at the roster, and it's the fact that there are real NBA players uh, around the the best yeah. players on this team now, too, and all that comes together to give this the uh, ability to find these wide open shots, so I do not think this is something that's going to uh, magically shift and they're gonna gonna drop into the bottom half of the league again all of a sudden. I think this is the real deal, uh, and a lot of metrics uh, that that I've seen ha- have suggested that this isn't some fluke. I think it was 538 had an entire article uh, on this Suns team uh, is is actually real when you look at the advanced metrics and it's not just fluke so uh, i think we're in for a fun season here uh and and that this isn't just some flash in the pan
1: yeah they're also taking far 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 fewer long mid-range shots per game yeah yeah they're really efficient
0: they're taking most of their shots in the paint and uh short mid-range and then and behind the three exactly tim
2: you you mean uh, you get rid of T.J. Warren and all of a sudden there's not a lot of mid-range shots being taken?
1: <gasps> Who would you to get
0: rid of Josh Jackson and there's not a
2: lot of good, bad uh, so
1: they shots. dropped they dropped the last year last season I should say uh, long mid-range shots 13% uh, this season 10% um, last year short mid-range shots uh, 21% this year 17% uh, and they're shooting right around the same percent at the rim. Uh, their three-point shooting frequency has increased, and that's the difference. So they've cut out their short and their long-range uh, mid-range shots uh, and traded that for three-pointers. But what's great is
0: they're still scoring in the paint.
1: Um, yeah. I don't have it right
0: in front of me anymore, but they're scoring the paint is really good for a team that doesn't have big
1: paint presence. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't have that set in front of me, but yeah, thirty-seven. I had it, 37, I had it early. Thirty-seven percent of their shots are, are coming at the rim. And that's top 10, if not top five
0: in the league. Uh, so it's really, really fun to watch. The Suns also, um, uh, they're second in the league in assists. We haven't even talked about that yet. Um, they have been number one or number two in assists all year. They already have almost as many 30 assist games as they had, or 31 assi- plus assist games as they had in the last two years combined. <laughs> uh, this team is just fun. It's really, really good. Uh, I love the passing. The passing is with a purpose. And they're, they're playing fairly fast. They're in the top 10 in, in pace, but they're not going to be uh, number one in pace. But um, what's contributing to the Suns' pace actually is not runouts uh, because they're putting so many... Okay, the Suns are going to get better on fast breaks because they're going to force the other team into taking more shots pretty soon because they're going to stop fouling so dang much. They, have, they are last in the league in uh, free throws allowed uh, you know, because they put guys, they're, they're 30th in free throws, uh, which, which stops everything, which does not uh, allow you to do fast breaks. And so the Suns look worse than they otherwise would in that category, while at the same time, the Suns are fourth in fewest field, fifth in fewest field goals allowed. Well, it's because these guys are taking all their shots at the free throw line. Uh, that'll level out. The The Suns are defending all the, all the shots uh, with gusto. And so I think because of that, they're fouling so much. Part of that's going to be the refs being tired of uh, blowing the whistle constantly. Uh, they're going to get inured to the physicality of the Suns. Uh, they're going to get used to it. And so I think the uh, foul calls are going to go down and the Suns defense will remain for that reason, pretty good. Uh, but to be top seven in defense with the worst rate of foul rate in the league is pretty darn good.
2: Uh, by the way, can I uh, can I impromptu bring a new segment to the show, guys? Of course. All right. Well, I'm going to do it anyways. I don't How know How could why it I possibly ask, go bad? But, uh, so I'm going to uh, I'm going to introduce the hater of the week, and this week the <laughs> hater of the week goes to friend of the program. Nate Duncan, he tweeted, Because the rules incentivize a 6'10", 260-pound Aaron Baines to jump in front of a 6'3", 180 Steph Curry and fall down on, on a glancing blow, Curry injured his hand and is now forced to leave the game. What do you want? That is the whole premise of taking a charge in the NBA. Like, what? What? This is the stupidest argument that he's like trying to act like somehow Aaron Baines. How dare he injure the great Steph Curry by doing what every big man has done in the game forever. You take a charge. If a guy runs into you and you're outside the circle, you take a charge. Nate Duncan obviously has a hate boner when it comes to the Phoenix Suns and I'm so sick of reading this crap from him, especially in a play like that. Aaron Baines did exactly what he was supposed to do. It was a fluke that he fell on Steph Curry's hand. It wasn't on purpose and it probably actually helps the Warriors this year because now it gives them the reason to go into tank mode, get a high draft pick, and be good again next year. Uh, So that's it. Nate Duncan. I'm done. I, 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 well, I
1: do. I, I do. I do want to point out uh, two things. One is on Nate Duncan's show. He did clarify that he did not think that that was a, a dirty play whatsoever by Aaron Baines, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but but <laughs> yeah, that's not the that's, point. I, that's I, typical I, I, Nate I
2: Duncan. You backtrack when people give you crap about it. Like that's uh, typical
0: about
1: all passive aggressive people like
0: uh, that. They backtrack
1: uh, when you call them on he, it. He definitely does hate the Suns. Um, uh, shoot. There, there was a, 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 you had a thought there, didn't you? Oh, no, I got it. Um, I, all of a <laughs> sudden, since watching D'Angelo Russell with the Warriors, uh, all of those people that were calling for the Suns to sign D'Lo, uh, they haven't really been
2: anywhere. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, they also have that's, watched that's Ricky cool. Rubio with the Suns, so they, they've right. had that, too.
0: The worst signing of the offseason has been doing pretty well for the Suns, hasn't he? Mm. The worst offseason in the NBA has gone pretty well for the Suns, hasn't it? Um, hey, oh, let's take two minutes to talk about the Golden State Warriors for a second. So people have been talking about Devin Booker being a losing player because he's good stats, bad team guy. Um, one of the best things that possibly could have happened to Steph Curry, is that he did get hurt because now he doesn't have to be the next dude who can't win. There's three all-stars still in that golden state lineup, three all-stars, D'Angelo Russell, Draymond green, Steph Curry. They've been terrible this year, losing by 10, 20 points. Hey, guess that kind of sounds like the Suns. You know why? Because they have a crappy roster around them. They hard capped themselves. They made it impossible for themselves to make offseason moves to shore up the rest of their rotation when guys left. They top-ended themselves with the Kevin Durant thing beforehand. They got lucky a couple of years ago because of the way the the salary cap jumped. And now they're paying for it. And you know what? Guess what? Good players look terrible around bad players players and the rest of that Golden State roster is so bad that Steph Curry and Draymond Green can't win games and with with adding an all-star and D'Angelo Russell next to them. So Stop telling me that Devin Booker is a bad player because his team didn't win more than 20 games in a year and start talking to me more about the supporting cast. And I'm going to be really sick of people who blame, who say that Devin Booker suddenly got, became a better player this year because he has not. He's tried harder on defense. Absolutely. He's touching the ball a little bit less because Ricky Rubio can touch it a little bit more. Absolutely. But you know what? Everything about Devin Booker is exactly the same as he was a year ago. He's just under less duress. And I'm just really excited for Devin Booker to show people that he is the player he is, and I'm going to be fighting all year against that perception that he's changed because he hasn't.
2: One can we make can we make it clear too that okay the perception that Devin Booker is trying harder on defense may actually have more to do with the fact that he doesn't have to do as much on offense so he can expend more energy and and effort on the defensive end of the floor because when you're the only guy that can do anything offensively, It's tough to have energy on both ends of the floor when you got to carry the whole team on one end of it. So I think that has had a huge impact on it as well. That Devin Booker just has the the ability to expend more energy on defense because he has better teammates around him and it's a better team defense. It's not, it's not just Devin Booker all of a sudden playing better defense. The entire team together is playing better defense and defense is as much about communication and those around you as it is about the guy in front of you.
0: Absolutely. And the other thing is Devin Booker has, doesn't have to bring the ball up every dang time as the point guard. People were, who've been pushing for point book, um, uh, they don't understand, and I've been trying to talk about this because I've talked to coaches about this as well. It tires a player out to have to bring the ball up every single time. And if he's also all the offense and he's the one who's stuck guarding the, the best player on defense, because Devin Booker still would anyway, even, even uh, last year, Devin Booker was still stuck on because some of the best players are guards in this league. Um, that's exhausting. And I can count on one hand, I think, how many times Devin Booker has dribbled the ball up the court from the uh you know from the other end he gets the ball in the half court he still has the ball a lot in his hands but the uh, monty is making sure there's another point guard another dribbler another guy who can bring the ball up the court in every single lineup next to booker because he doesn't want to wear booker out and monty even said it this past week again look man uh Devin is not as tired because he doesn't have to bring the ball up all the time you have no idea how exhausting it is To be the guy who brings the ball up every time. Um, And Devin Booker has other responsibilities once he gets in the half court. That's why um, Monty's doing that. It's not a knock on Booker. It's actually, he's going to show everybody. He's one of the very best shooting guards in the game. And possibly a top 10, 15, 20 player this year.
1: Uh, You guys want to talk about usage percentage? Sure. Let's talk
0: about usage, yes.
1: All right, so Devin Booker, 40%. Frank Kaminsky, 36 percent. Ricky Rubio, 32 percent. Javon Carter, 29 percent. And Kelly Oubre at 28 percent.
2: Those are usage percentages. Yes.
1: And what does
0: that tell you, Tim?
1: (laughs) Well, even though Devin Booker isn't bringing the ball up the court, uh, he's definitely uh, still getting his touches.
2: right, but but it's more evenly distributed.
0: Exactly. So it's perfect. It's perfect that he's still getting all these touches because he is by far the best player on the team, offensively, especially. Um, But he doesn't have to get exhausted. So it's perfect. Monty's doing a really, really good job. It makes you wonder how other coaching staffs couldn't do this. But I'm just going to give all the credit to Monty for having done this. Um, I think it's really, really wonderful uh, what he's doing with this team. And yes, He's got the ball in the right player's hands at the right times.
1: Hey, who do you think of, of? Who do you think leads the team in points scored per 100 possessions? Give me your top two.
0: Kelly who Oubre. Think, now, wait, are we going to limit it to guys who only get real minutes? Uh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we, can't, we'll, we can't say Elia Kobo.
1: Right, Elia Kobo certainly is, and he's third anyway. But yeah, Elia Kobo's uh, played five minutes, so. Not counting L.A. Cobalt. But yes, guys that have played at least three games.
2: Kelly Oubre and I'll go Devin Booker just because I know it's not going to be, but it, it it should be.
0: Dave? Yeah, no, I'll say the same.
2: All right. No, I'll you stand. have a, uh,
1: Cam Johnson at 158 per 100 possessions and Aaron Baines coming in number two at 137. Uh, Devin Booker is actually 118 with Kelly Oubre at 121.
0: Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Cameron Cameron Johnson, obviously, uh, when he touches the ball, he is going to score more often than not. I just love Cam Johnson in this lineup. And he hasn't even shown uh, his ability to drive because when those guys start closing out on him like crazy, he can drive the ball too. Did and you, he can pass it off. He can dump it off.
2: Did you just call him Cam and Cameron in the same sentence? That is impressive, David. Cam Cameron. I, I appreciate you, David. Isn't that a,
0: Cam Cameron
2: i'm sure it's, it's an old actor
0: of some sort yeah okay.
2: before before we get out of here i have to do something i'm going to be in the building on monday i'm going to see sun's 76ers live and feel, how I do you feel, feel like... about missing Embiid? oh hold on i i i can touch on that after this but i have to do this because uh it's it, first time i've been in the building in a little while and I have to. Do we have any violin music we can cue up? Anything like that? No. All right. Uh, I have to sit it here. Might
0: be able to add some in the bed. The and I have
2: bed. to. I have to look straight into the camera and talk to you, Mr. James Jones. I owe you an apology on this program and in many other formats. I uh, was severely judgmental about uh, how you were going to perform in this job and whether you wanted this job over the last 12 months. I was wrong. Look, I had been hurt. I had been hurt in a lot of previous relationships with GMs. I mean, look, I, I lived through, uh, in person, the Lance Blanks era. That, that's right. Error, not era. Uh, and, and I uh, I got to know him and and got, got to be hurt by him uh, as an employee and as a fan. Uh, I, I got to know Ryan McDonough, and, and I love Ryan McDonough, but some of those moves hurt me as a fan uh, at times. I was skeptical. I, I, was, I was scared, uh, and I wasn't willing to take a leap of faith, and for that, I, I am very sorry. You have uh, turned the culture around. You've turned the roster around in terms of bringing real NBA talent that makes sense as a unit and as a whole. And uh, you've actually made basketball fun again. So from the bottom of my heart, James, I hope you can forgive me for my past grievances and errors. And if I inadvertently run into you in the building on Monday night, please don't be too upset with me.
0: Are you doing this just so we can release this as a snippet so you get allowed in the door? (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's actually. I have to send this to Julie Fei. It was part of the agreement, so I could get back in the building. I had to make a public apology to James Jones. So, so uh, uh,
0: are you going to get a pass to get down in the in the bowels?
2: I don't know. We'll see how that clip plays with uh with the front office. <laughs> you want me to? I can get you
0: a pass. <laughs> I. Uh, but I'm sure i you I conditions.
2: actually, I actually genuinely mean that. I I do uh, very much appreciate what James Jones has done. For this team, and, and you cannot uh, discredit what uh, Trevor Buxton, uh, Jeff Bowers, as well that whole front office uh, has done. There's just one. Uh, 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 Jeff Bauer, excuse me. Uh, we don't hear from him, so it's tough to know how to. How <laughs> we to don't say know it. how many there really are. Yeah. Yeah, there there could be multiple Jeff Bowers in the building. We don't, we are not aware. But that, no, what they have done, this has been a, a massive turnaround. And you look at it, and you can actually tell the culture difference, the the attitude difference, and the way that they play is, is different. So I genuinely uh, have uh, have turned over a new leaf. A lot of people won't admit when they were horribly wrong. I'm willing to fall on the sword. I was horribly wrong when it came to that so
0: i will throw out a little bit of a snippet um i don't know how relevant this is and this person will downplay it but uh lon babby was instrumental in getting that front office arranged the way it is right now and it happens to be the most successful front office the Suns have had even including him uh since uh, steve kerr left
2: look you know so. you know we both have uh have a lot of respect for Lon, uh, Lon the man, uh, and and the pride he took. He, he, as much as anybody, still loves his
0: team. Yeah, he, he still comes to a lot of the games, mm-hmm. and he is uh, he's he's still a unpaid, um, but uh, very much respected advisor for Sarver. He took a back seat for a few years when Ryan McDonough came in, and um, I know Lon was was uh, he won't say it, but he was slightly disappointed with how. Uh, Ryan wanted the front office to be about him for a few years, and and not and, you know and and basically take over, and that's great, and and Robert Sarver gave him that opportunity because he was the up and coming GM, uh, but when the Suns really needed it, Babby was it was able to step in and help arrange that um hire of jeff bauer as well as um making sure james jones became the gm i don't know how much of a big how big of a role one played but it was a role and i appreciated it for it
2: and there was not a man more uh he cared about the fact that they were losing it hurt him personally that that he could not uh could not be a, a instrumental part in getting this team back to uh to respectability and the level that they that fans wanted to so it's a much much praise to to him i've always liked lon a lot he took a lot of heat but probably not uh not fairly so
0: yeah i want to say big big props to james jones as well he's done everything he said he was going to do here's the thing he didn't say he didn't uh say one thing and do another he spent all last year saying exactly what he was going to do this summer and he freaking did it and it worked and so, uh, big, 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 big props to James. I hope he comes to Brightside Night again this year so everybody can stand up and give him a standing ovation. That's um,
1: great, James. Yeah. So
2: I, I didn't mean all to right turn guys. this into a weird love fest. I just did. Yeah. Uh,
0: hey, mm-hmm.
2: I still yeah, hate not Dave not to... if that makes everybody feel better. So. Uh,
0: that's okay. I hate Espo, too. Well,
2: I'll you know. see you on Monday. Yeah.
0: We, all, we all left him there. Yeah.
1: All right, guys. Well, uh, that was fun. So we'll be back again on Wednesday, uh, seven o'clock Arizona time. Uh, I can't remember if there is a time change yet, though. I guess that doesn't really matter to most of the people there, watching. You can figure it out. There is a time same.
2: change as of tomorrow morning. It is, huh? oh. We're only two hours apart. Uh, the distance is the same, but the time is less, Tim.
0: So Tim, are you just going to do this an hour earlier going forward, or are we changing our time?
1: Yeah, no. It'll it'll be at the it'll be at the same time it'll you know honestly so being on the uh east coast some of these suns games start at 10:30 at night and i have a real job like most of the people that are listening <laughs> watching and and my fellow co-hosts it is really hard to start a game at 10:30 at night i'm incredibly excited uh just to have games start an hour early for the for the west coast ones
2: um, i'm glad we could help your problem with that tim so
1: yeah yeah oh uh, thanks so much guys yeah. yeah,
0: we really appreciate that. Okay. We changed the time for you, Tim. Yes.
2: All right. So, yeah, uh, yeah, we got. We out. We out. Oh.